0: Morning. Hallelujah. Praise the name of Jesus. Jesus, our Savior, our Comforter, our Lord. Thank you for that. um, uh, That uh, word, brother. Um, It just really Uh, Shows how we are all in one spirit, how we all become an unity when we are in Jesus. Because my word today is about Jesus himself. And I just want to glorify his name. Because he's so wonderful. He's magnificent. He's beauty. He's just so wonderful, so wonderful, so much he has done for us, and so much he left us, so he just didn't come and do what he had to do, but he left us things, he left us precious things so we can live a blessed life, a joyful life, once we're here, until we reunite with him one day. So I would like to start in Hebrews 1. And I'm gonna read until uh, so one one four. Just glorifying the name of Jesus, uh, understanding who He really is in our lives. So it says uh, Hebrews 1:14, God's final word, His Son. In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, and through whom also he made the universe. The Son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. So he became as much superior to the angels as the name he has inherited is superior to theirs. It's such a wonderful, but so, such an exact definition of who Jesus is. He is the radiance of God's glory. Amen. And even though, you know, God is so big, there's, he's just, we, could, we couldn't reach him if it wasn't for Jesus. And he's right there. He says he's right there next to, next, next to God. Next to God. And some people think that there's this distance between Jesus, God, the Holy Spirit, and us. There's no distance. We can't be so close to him. He has allowed us to have a relationship with him, to be, to be so close, to be one in him. It's not like these kings that you have to go and worship and... And wow, you feel like you're less than them. No, we understand that He is mighty and He's glorious. But He made Himself a man so that He could experience what living as a man is like, so that He was like us to that level, you know. So Jesus is, I love, and I chose those songs today, a couple of songs, because He talks about Jesus being our, our counselor, our comforter. So many things Jesus can be. In my personal experience, I have come to the point where Jesus has become my everything. My everything. I can genuinely say that. Jesus has become all those things. And that was actually a process. It didn't happen overnight. I keep saying it. I've been a Christian for 10 years. It has been a process, you know, and before I was a Christian, I was walking in a lot of darkness. There was a lot of sin in my life, there was lies, I was glorifying the world life, the devil, you know, and I didn't even know it, because I had been deceived, I didn't know it. So, once I had this revelation that I was, I was going the wrong way, I was living a life that it was not made for me. I was told about Jesus. I was told about Jesus through my mom. I was told about Jesus through my pastors back home. And they told me something really, really important. They told me that God was a God of love. I was so ashamed that I could even come back to God one day. But when my pastor back home told me, God is a God of love. I said, I need to go back to him. I need to run back. I need to be with him. And I became pretty desperate to be with Jesus. I was so desperate. I remember crying so many days, Jesus, forgive me, Jesus. Jesus, give me a new chance. Give me a new start. I remember reading Psalm 51 where it says, cleanse me and I'll be whiter than snow. Hallelujah. So I opened my heart to Jesus, I let him in, and I said, Jesus, change me, I want a new life, I don't want to go back to where I was, I just want you, Jesus. So I fell in love with him, because the moment I opened my heart to him, he came in. And I fell in love, I fell in love, I found the, the greatest love I had ever, ever felt. And through that Jesus became my passion, he became my passion, I, I, I can say I'm very passionate for Jesus Christ, I just love him, I, he is my everything, yes. he truly is. And I like to read our definition of passion because this is what I want to talk about, it's not just about coming and worshipping Jesus, what is important is that you do it with passion, that you do it like you mean it, you know, it it brings so many benefits as well, when you love Jesus with passion, and it pleases God's heart in an amazing way, so I'd like to start with Deuteronomy uh, 6, 4 and 5, because this is a good definition of what passion is, in the Bible. So, Deuteronomy 6, 5, it says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. This is passion, this is passion. When you love God with everything you have, like that song said, with everything I am, with every breath, with every breath. Because God doesn't like you to be worshiping other gods. God doesn't want you to worship any other idols. God wants to be the center of your life. That's passion. So it's very easy to say that you're passionate when you feel like this, like I'm feeling right now, like I'm enjoying this moment, I'm really delighting speaking about him. But I think your passion really, really grows as you go through trials. This is when it really gets tested, this love. Will you really love God with all your heart and all your strength and all your soul when you're going... (laughs) through trials this is the opportunity for passion to grow and I'd like to use the example of a man that I believe had this intense love for God so that we can we can take example you know and when we go through these different situations that passion for God is not decreased but increased in him so if we go to Job the book of Job I'm sure you have read the story of Job, it's a, it's a, it teaches us so many things. So Job 1, and we're going to read it from 1 to 19 for the moment. Okay, so it says, in the land of Uz, there lived a man whose name was Job. This man was blameless and upright. He feared God and shunned evil. He had seven sons and three daughters, and he owned 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, and 500 donkeys, and had a large number of servants. He was the greatest man among all the people of the East. His sons used to hold feasts in their homes on their birthdays, and they would invite their three sisters to eat and drink with them. When a period of feasting had run its course, Job would make arrangements for them to be purified. Early in the morning, he would sacrifice a burnt offering for each of them, thinking, perhaps my children have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. This was Job's regular custom. One day the angels came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came with them. The Lord said to Satan, Where have you come from? Satan answered the Lord, From roaming throughout the earth, going back and forth on it. Then the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job? There is no one on earth like him. He is blameless and upright, a man who fears God and shuns evil. Does Job fear God God for nothing? Satan replied, Have you not put a hedge around him and his household and everything he has? You have blessed the work of his hands, so that his flocks and herds are spread throughout the land. But now stretch out your hand and strike everything he has, and he will surely curse you to your face. The Lord said to Satan, very well, then everything he has is in your power, but on the man himself do not lay a finger. Then Satan went out from the presence of the Lord. One day, when Job's sons and daughters were feasting and drinking wine at the oldest oldest brother's house, a messenger came to Job and said, The oxen were plowing and the donkeys were grazing nearby, and the Sabians attacked and made off with them. They put the servants to the sword, and I'm the only one who has escaped to tell you. and I'm the only one who has escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, yet another messenger came and said, Your sons and daughters were feasting and drinking wine at the older brother's house, when suddenly a mighty wine swept in from the desert and struck the four corners of the house. It collapsed on them, and they are dead and I am the only one who has escaped to tell you. So we're going to stop there just to analyze what happened to Job. He was very blessed. There was abundance. He had everything. Everything. The Lord had blessed him with so much. And then suddenly this happens. And then Satan comes and tells God, well, let's put that That man that you believe to be so upright, let's put him to the test. What I like about this is not that God said yes, it's that God was so convinced of Job's love for him that he didn't doubt for a minute that whatever would happen to Job, God was so confident that Job would still praise him and would not sin against him. So I'm sure Job was in pain. I'm sure when he heard his his children had died, all his animals, everything he had was destroyed. I'm sure it hurt. I've been there where it's painful, it's very painful. And you think, where am I going to get strength to, to love God again or to, to praise him, you know. But once you have this, you own this love, once you know that God is everything to you, these things cannot separate you from his love. And that's what happened to Job. He, he could of cursed God, he could have walked away and say, God, why did you do this, do this to me? And there's a point throughout the story, much later in the book, where he actually starts having this conversation with God about why, why this happened. And he, has, he starts being influenced by his wife and his friends to curse God, to curse God. But in the end, he doesn't do it. And it really amazes me the way he reacts to this. If we continue on verse 20 now. It says, At this Job got up and tore his robe and shaved his head. Then he fell to the ground in worship and said, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I will depart. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised. In all this, Job did not sin by charging God with wrongdoing. It's a great example. It's a great example. I love this story because material things, they don't, they don't really matter, you know, money or... It just comes to a second place. When you love God with all your strength and all your heart and all your soul, he comes to the first place in your life. And this is what we have to remember. Everything else goes underneath. And this is what happened to Job. The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away, but may the name of the Lord be praised. It made no difference. It made no difference to him. I don't know if you have any, uh, if you like any athletes or any musicians that you admire, I don't know if you have seen um, their discipline and the, the commitment that they put because they have a passion for their, their task, their activity, they have a passion. When you have a passion for Jesus you have to put time as well, you have to commit time to Him. With the example of the athletes, when they're training, it hurts. It hurts, but they're there for hours because they want to get to the goal of winning. Well, it's very much the same in the Christian life. We've got to keep pushing and pursuing and pressing and pressing. And that's why I said, through the trials, When you come out of the trials with this passion, it increases so much, you realize that that was nothing compared to God. There was no, there's no comparison really. There's nothing can compare to making God the center of your life. Passion is very important as a Christian. There's another man in the Bible that was so passionate. I don't admire any athletes, but I do admire this man in the Bible. And I think a lot of you do as well. This is Paul, the Apostle. When you read his books, you can feel the passion that he had for Jesus. He just had this fire in him. He just had this nothing. He he didn't care about anything. He, He didn't care whether he was gonna be persecuted, whether he was gonna get in trouble. Nothing. For him, once he had this encounter with Jesus, you know, he was against Jesus before. Once he had this personal encounter, his life became all about Jesus. He dedicated his life to Jesus after that encounter. And he left us great teachings, so much uh, educational points about the Bible on how to live our lives on earth how to be righteous Christians, how to be obedient, how to enjoy Christian life. I'd like to read one of his verses, Galatians 2.20. From that encounter with Jesus, this is how Paul's mind just... transformed completely and he says on Galatians 2.20 I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live but Christ lives in me the life I now live in the body I live by faith in the son of God who loved me and gave himself for me I no longer live but Christ lives in me this is a, a, a truth that we have to own. Once we come to Jesus, once we give our lives to Jesus, it's no longer I who lives, but he who lives in us. And that's why Paul, he just took ownership of that, and he went and took the message to so many towns, to so many people, and he built so many churches. He became a messenger of the gospel. That was his passion. That was one of his passions, actually. A messenger. Once he had these lights of Jesus, these revelations, he was desperate to go and tell people about him, regardless of the circumstances. That was one of his passions. To save souls. He didn't want anybody else to perish, he didn't want anybody else to live without knowing this truth and coming to Jesus. He just became so moved by this. It became like a controlling force in his life. And he goes and talks to people with words of love and encouragement and peace, and joy. And today, those words are still alive. We still can read these words, we still can live these words in the flesh. Thank you, Jesus, because you use our our brother, Paul, to leave us so much truth about you. This is the whole purpose of spreading the good news, that from generation to generation, Everybody knows about the sacrifice, like our brother here was saying, that blood that was poured for us, the salvation. And this is how, as Christians, our passion is what pushes us to do this. Because once we get saved, it's it's good to get saved, it's really, really important, of course it is. But it is equally relevant to carry on pushing And living a life that is worth living for Christ, serving Jesus. This is what is important. And like I said, I've been 10 years with the Lord, but only really until I came to this church five years ago, I started serving him. And I have increased, he has increased his fire in me to the point now I'm here spreading the word, you know. I'm spreading the word when I'm maybe on the train, when I'm at work. I was saying to uh, Sister Ma, when I was delivering some Bibles at the office recently, you're not supposed to talk about religion. There's a couple of Muslims, there's a couple of uh, um, Jehovah Witnesses. You're not supposed to. Do you know what? I don't care, because I have so much passion for Jesus. I just want to live for Jesus. So yes, I have endured suffering and I have gone through trials. Thank you, Lord, that I have gone through those things because I have come out stronger and with more conviction that Jesus is real, that God lives, that he never forsakes us, that he never leaves us. You know... (laughs) Five years ago I had a little bit of a job period. My health got, I could have said I nearly died, I, I had this multiple pulmonary embolism where my lungs filled with blood clots, I ended up in a hospital, Basildon hospital, in an emergency. Then as they did all these CT scans, they realised I had blood in both lungs which meant I couldn't breathe, I was so weak, it's a fatal condition. But I do remember very well one night where I was in in bed in hospital, I was there for three weeks, and I didn't have enough air to breathe. And I was really trying, it was about midnight, everyone was sleeping in the ward, the nurses were somewhere in reception, And I couldn't breathe, and I was so scared because I I felt like there was no oxygen coming to my brain, coming to my head. And I thought, is this it? I felt like that. But with the little strength I had, I got on my knees on that bed, and I praised the name of the Lord, and I just said, Lord, not yet. Let me, let me stay, I want to stay a bit longer. Let me glorify you with this life, if you let me stay. Hallelujah. Amen. Testimony. Maybe, maybe it was just a bit of panic, but the way my body was at the moment, I could have died. But God had a purpose for my life. God had a plan, God knew, she loves me, like Job, you know, I know she loves me, I know she won't walk away from me, I saw her heart when she came to me, desperate, running, crying, I know her heart was genuine, and he's not saying that just to me, but to you as well, he knows your hearts are genuine, God is convinced of your love for him and he has a purpose for your life and he will fulfill the purpose so i think jesus i think jesus that, and paul that now i can read the bible and i know how i i need to go and and how i can continue being changed and transforming how i can be like one of those athletes that endure suffering and pain, so that I can get to the target, so that I can get to the final, the final goal, that is to meet with Jesus Christ one day, one day, and spend the rest, the rest of eternity with Him. This is my goal now. Yes, I do. I do have a family. I do have a career, and those things, I'm, I'm very happy about them, and, and I do work hard for those. But to me. This is my controlling force now. Jesus, serving Jesus, living for him, living for him. So when I know I'm going wrong, I'll go back to this book, which is The Living Word. Jesus, what do I do now? How how do I go to the next level? How do I go to the next step? Thank you, Jesus, for Paul's life, because his passion, is now being transferred onto us and it will continue to be transferred from generation to generation to fulfill God's purpose in earth. Amen. (laughs) And I think when you live in this passion as well for Jesus, being with him is a delight. And that's another thing I love about being passionate for Jesus. Sometimes I say, I'm going to pray for 30 minutes. Next time I look at the the time, I've been there for three hours. He's my delight. When you have passion for him, when you love him with all your strength and all your soul, time is nothing. Time is nothing. And if if you had something else to do and you didn't do it because you were with Jesus, he will take care of that for you. Because when you work on his things, he will work on yours. That's why he says, give me your, give me your uh, burden and carry mine. Mine is light. Mine is light. So give me your problems. Give me your troubles and just work on my kingdom. And I'll do the rest. Seek the kingdom of heaven and everything else will come. So it's an absolute delight for me to be praying. Yesterday, it was like that. I just shut my door in the room, and I said, okay, I, this is, it's time for a proper prayer, you know, no distractions, no noise, no other thoughts. Next time I look, I've been there for three hours. And it was so wonderful, because as I was praying, the Lord showed me a few people in the church, including Sister Alison, and then she tells me this morning that she hadn't been feeling too well. And I prayed for her, I didn't know she wasn't feeling well. I was praying for Pastor Luke, because I know he's also not been too well in his health. But it's a delight praying for other people, it's a delight talking to Jesus. Because we love one another, because we are a family, we are wanting him. So it's an absolute delight for me to pray and to communicate and to spend time with him. And and as I was saying to Andrew this morning, I was falling a little bit into the busyness syndrome. Too much work, too much studies, too much things at home. But I made a commitment to spend more time with Jesus and to eat the bread of life. So I'm reading the Bible. Whether I'm tired, whether I'm not tired, I'm eating the bread, the bread of life. Bread of life. And the other thing is, I delight in the worship. You know, worship is so important. What Job did by going on his knees with his physical pain, his physical pain, it was his spirit that was praising the Lord. And he got on his knees crying, children had died, all his animals had died, he had nothing. But he took that robe and he said naked I came naked I will go By my spirit my spirit praises the lord and he got there and he praised the lord and when we worship that's what we do and sometimes we don't know the words of the song but sometimes it's not just about the singing although those words are powerful and they bring so much healing and so much peace inside but sometimes it's about closing your eyes and putting your head down and just saying, I've got this problem, I've got this other thing bothering me, but for these next 30 minutes, I'm just going to focus on you. I'm just going to focus on you and I'm just going to tell you that you are good, that you're worthy, that you're everything, that you're wonderful. I am... I am... I'm not important right now, I'm thankful for your sacrifice, I'm thankful for the blood that cleans me. Sometimes it's about doing that. It's going to bring such connection with him. Such connection. As I was there, you know, worshipping this morning, I was taken, I was taken. Because he he is my daily bread. I'm nothing without him. I am lost without him. And I love telling Jesus. I love shouting to Jesus. I am nothing without you. I love you more than I love life itself. I love you for everything you do. I love you for who you are. I love doing that. You need this passion. You need this, this controlling force in your life. But... To get it, you need to focus on him. You need to make him your focus. I learned that it's a process. Yes, it's a process, but push. Be like the athlete. Be like the athlete. It starts with one hour and it start one hour running. Push it to two hours running, three hours running until your muscles are stronger, stronger. Your muscle of faith will be so strong. Nothing can shake you. Nothing can break you. But even when you're going through these trials, you get on your knees and your strength comes from your spirit that is connected to God. Warning him, warning him. And from that passion, you get the fire, fire of the Holy Spirit. When the disciples were all together in Acts, this is in the book of Acts, I'm not going to read it, but when they were praying, they were all around just praying and then this sudden wind came and then they started speaking in tongues. It was supernatural. The Holy Spirit's fire is supernatural. You can't see it, but you notice the difference once, you, once it has touched you, once it has come into you. And then again, that same year when I was ill, back at home, recovered, unemployed, no money, everything was going wrong still praising the Lord, still believing that something would happen. Same year, I found this church. He sent me to this church. So one night as I'm lying in bed, uh, we live in in an apartment, there's a balcony, and I was lying on the sofa, I fell asleep there. It was again midnight, I don't know what's with midnight for me. And I was sleeping, I know I definitely was sleeping, And then I had this blow on my face. I didn't know what it was. I was dreaming, as I was sleeping, I was dreaming that the balcony door had opened and that's when I felt the wind. I didn't know what that was, but it was so real. And now I know, now I know the Holy Spirit came and touched me supernaturally. He pushed his fire on me. He he filled me of life, brothers and sisters. I can tell you, I am full of life. I'm full of life. I'm taking some medications, but I was on like on five things, I'm now on one. And I don't even think I need it. I'm taking it because, well, you still need to be obedient with your medications if you need them. They told me I was I had some lupus condition. According to the doctors, I have lupus. Do I look like I have lupus? Do I look like I'm in pain? No, because I'm full of life. My spirit is stronger. My life is is to worship Jesus. And I'm a living testimony. I'm a living testimony. I'm full of life. I'm full of joy. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Just to finish. (laughs) Just to finish. It's very important that we activate a passion for Jesus, that we ask, ask for the passion. If you, if you sometimes feel like you want to raise your hands here, but you're too worried, too concerned, or what people are going to think, or I look silly, it's not about other people. It's about him seeing that your flesh is getting weaker, but your spirit is getting stronger. That you're no longer worried about what others will say or think about you, But that you're really doing it for Him. That you just want to glorify Him, whether your body likes it or not. You know? So don't don't hesitate. Don't hesitate. And when you come to church as well, delight in Him. Delight, delight. Just close your eyes and and, and focus on Him. Focus on those words. Those words are powerful. Even if you don't want to sing them or if you believe you don't have a good singing voice to be singing, listen to the words. The words of love, the words of peace, these words will feed you, will heal you. If there's crying, if there's sadness inside you, these words will bring healing. I can tell you that. It brings uh, emotional healing, it brings physical healing, and your your spirit gets stronger. So don't feel like coming to church is, is like a task or something you need to do. Come here feeling um, that you're after that passion. And I'm not not trying to criticise, sorry, maybe I'm sort of deviating a bit, but I think what I'm trying to say is delight in him. Delight in him, delight, delight, just lose himself in him, because there's so many blessings that come as well, so as if it wasn't enough, of getting what you're getting spiritually, God will bless you in a mighty way. And that's exactly what happened to Job at the end of the book. He gets double of what he lost. He gets double. And as you delight, and as you grow in this passion, as you activate this passion, then you can go and be a, uh, you can be a, 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 a pole, an apostle Paul where you go and tell people about Jesus and you carry the word. And your message will be so convincing because of your passion that people will believe that Jesus is real because there is something different about you. There is something different. You wouldn't talk with so much passion about something if you didn't know that is true. So, passion is so important. Ask the Holy Spirit. We will pray in a minute about that, Luke, if you can support me. We will live in the life that Jesus led for us, you know. He says, I die so people would not get lost, would not perish, but would have eternal life. So just activate that. Activate that. We will pray now. We will pray that our passion for Jesus will grow. If we can stand up and close our eyes and just focus, let's make him our focus. Bring out your passion. Yes, amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, that we can be passionate about you, that we can delight in you, that there's so much glory coming out of you. There's so much radiance, Jesus. That we can, we can be close to that. We can seek that. We can go and tell people about you. We can go and deliver the good news. Like when you show to um, himself, when you show yourself to, to the Apostle Paul, his encounter with, with you was so real that he went and started telling people, building churches, delivering your message. So that today in this place, we could receive as well that message and that we could be passionate. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for your fire. Your fire is the ingredient. It's a primary ingredient to to, uh, push that passion. Holy Spirit, I ask you in the name of Jesus to put out your fire in this place over every single person here. Take away the things of the flesh. Take away the thoughts of the flesh, the thoughts of the world. Take them away and bring passion unto them. Bring passion that when they worship, they'll be shouting, they'll be jumping of joy because they know that Jesus is here. They know that Jesus lives in them. Oh, Holy Spirit, move in this place, move in this place and and just give us that consuming fire burning us, burning us. Burn in us, Holy Spirit. We ask you in the name of Jesus. Amen, amen, amen. Hallelujah. Bless the Lord. Amen. Thank you, Lord.